Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to C-Click Fix Radio. I'm your host, Paul Bass, Welcome you to another of our weekly looks at what's happening at the grassroots underneath the mass media radar in communities across the country through the lens of the C-Click Fix problem-solving website. C-Click Fix started out in New Haven before going worldwide. Today, we're back where it started, at the grassroots in New Haven, with Adam Rawlings, who does community engagement at Neighborhood Housing Services, and Evan Tracton at the Livable City Initiative. And C-Click Fix's Nadine Herring is here with me in the studio with the latest citizen-powered news. Welcome, everybody. I'm going to ask you to get so close to that microphone, you feel like you're actually having it for breakfast. (laughs) I'm not kidding. All right, so Nadine, what's the latest news in New Haven based on what people are telling C-Click Fix? So the first issue up is illegal dumping, and this issue is archived. It's from LCI Westville. So the man himself is here. Um, This issue was reported on 7-Eleven, and it was um, a couch that was on the tree belt. Resident advised that bulk trash uh, pickup is required to remove this item. It was acknowledged uh, the next day by Department of Public Works, who is an excellent uh, user of C-Click Fix. And then it was closed the day after that by Department of Public Works. Item picked up, issue closed. Um, if you need to report another item, please go to C-Click Fix. So within two days of this issue being reported, the items were picked up by Department of Public Works. And what were the items? It was a couch. Uh, looks like a headboard. A huge couch, though. And then a headboard on the tree belt. On the tree belt. I'm sorry. Which road against Sherman? This was, it was on Longcrest. Longcrest. Oh, this is that. Now, Westville, the Evan Tracton used to be the LC, Louisville City Initiative neighborhood specialist. That, oh, you weren't no, ever in Westville. Actually, I was the neighborhood specialist for the Hill neighborhood, and uh, oh. I've been the acquisition disposition coordinator for about the last decade, but I've been pitching in mm-hmm. in Westville and Beaver Hills. Yes. Right. You're the guy we see around, whether or not that's your title. That is correct. Okay. <laughs> so your LCI is supposed to be our neighborhood's agency. You're the agency in City Hall that connects with neighbors about stuff we're caring about, from headboards being on the street to slumlords. You've done, we've written about you with the absentee landlords who plague the place. So, Evan, how common is this? How much are people dumping headboards and stuff on the street and in what kind of neighborhoods? So every neighborhood, unfortunately, sees this illegal dumping activities, whether it's college students who move out uh, and they just put their stuff out, not aware of our local regulations, to just people who don't care and they put stuff out knowing that eventually it will disappear. So this happens in every zip code in our city. And I know the city has been faced with this challenge for a long time and we're getting better at addressing it much more rapidly with the implementation of C-Click Fix and coordination among so when you see, do you look at c-click fix every day every day i guess you see this no i posted this this was oh, me alerting this. public works because oh that's interesting L- so the government one agency of government is alerting another agency government with c-click fix you couldn't just call someone on the phone you feel like this makes it more transparent by having everyone look at it gets into a computer system that everyone's tracking it i would say absolutely and i think public works encourages us to post these issues um, and I think this is how the system is designed, and it's extremely effective for cleaning this stuff up. Preventing it is a whole separate topic, which is something I think we need to look to. But how do we prevent it? I, I think, honestly, tougher enforcement, which is our topic today, enforcement. Um, we have to hold people accountable, and we need everyone to be on the same page about what's acceptable and what's not. And neighbors need to speak up if they see people coming out doing this type of stuff. What are the rules? What are you supposed to do when you're throwing out big stuff? Well, you need to get a bulk appointment. You have to call the Department of Public Works at 946-7700. 
find out if there are any appointments available. I believe they just updated their policy where an address gets one free pickup uh, every calendar year. But if you need a second, I believe it's $50. You go to their office and you pay and then you're on the list. And there's there's also the ability to haul your own stuff to the dump with the coupons and tickets. So it's more about educating people and then making sure that they follow through with what the rules are. And I find there are people go around. Have you seen this, Nadine or, or, or um, Adam, that people go around at the piles and look for good stuff when they're out for a day or two? That That's how it used to be when the city used to do the, the free um, bulk trash pickups multiple times a year. It was because I've seen this you know, myself on our street where we would put stuff out and people would just come in or come around, even people on the street just to look through the piles to see, because there's some nice stuff sometimes that are put out. I've, I've gone through some piles and found some stuff. So it was a way to kind of reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, and everybody knew when the bulk trash pickup day was. So everybody That's put right, their stuff out. That's right, you didn't out. make an appointment. It came nope, it was times. it was scheduled. So everybody knew when it was. And I think that helped a lot with, with the illegal dumping issue. I, I'm really happy to see that the city is bringing that back for the one pickup because I think that's going to help. Um, As of July 1st, you mm-hmm. can get a free bulk pickup every year. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes say people, we have a guy across the street who owns properties in where I live who they're the worst properties on the block. They're not terrible, but he has, you know, tenants, he doesn't screen right. and they throw a lot of stuff out and he'll do book trails a couple of times a year, but he'll leave it out for a long time when he doesn't have an appointment. But if you have multiple properties and he does live there in the neighborhood, it seems like once or twice a year, he even might not do it, huh? I guess he should just pay the 50 bucks if he got that kind of property. He it's definitely should if he has multiple properties. I mean, it's not like he can't afford it. Now, Adam, you come at it from working for neighborhood housing services, which uh-huh. is a not-for-profit builder. You guys have built, you've actually rebuilt beautiful old homes throughout New Haven, often in clusters and neighborhoods. And then you help yep. people buy them who might not make a lot of money but can qualify. You have a title, you're working in the community engagement part, which is the right. fancy word nowadays for talking to people, right? Yeah. Like you're not just putting <laughs> the building up, you're talking to people so that, that where you've built, let's say, in New Hallville and Dixwell, where you've got a lot of buildings together, you get the people together to do something about it. Like there's a New Hallville Matters group, for instance. Yeah. It's, uh, so our. In our department, we're focusing on building healthy neighborhoods. And um, so it used to be called community organizing, and it became a bit of a buzzword when Obama was running for office. Now they're calling it community now engagement. Why, now, why'd you give up on that one? Come on. <laughs> why'd you reclaim it? What's wrong with community organizing? Why is that an epithet just because some right-wing people who hate President Obama for being black call him a community organizer <laughs> as an epithet? I don't understand what's wrong with community organizing. We have corporate organizing every day. They have big, expensive events to buy off politicians. What's wrong with getting neighbors together to make the neighborhood better? Uh, well, I, I think that the, the ties of political correctness uh, are very strange. And <laughs> so uh, we, we still use the term community building and organizing for our department, but then there you go. Okay. weaving in Knock community out. engagement a little bit. Um, but yeah, we're still doing the same thing. Um, we're networking with residents. We're out in the communities. And um, where uh, we oftentimes use C-ClickFix, um, is to sort of start conversations with people or when we hear uh, reports about specific issues, um, we can show them what C-Click Fix can do and then we can, um, you know, when it's taken care of, uh, we get to kind of show the residents how effective and how efficient the system is. Now tell me about these bulk trips. Do you have this issue at all with either people in the houses you've helped people buy or their neighbors leaving a lot of junk out on the street, are you dealing with that at all as you're not called officially community organizing job? Uh, right. Well, so um, uh, our one of our problems that we're working with is uh, the landlords that aren't um, really keeping up their properties as well as we are. 
uh, and so it ends up bringing down the whole block. So oftentimes we'll um, see some uh, problem that is affecting the whole block, uh, and it's not our own property, um, and uh, we'll report it. Uh, and every every time that we've reported a bulk trash issue, it's been taken care of very quickly. Well, that's good. So you yeah. click fixes your response. Now, are we talking about groups who own that own large numbers of properties in New Haven where they have a lot of Section 8 rents and neighbors like New Hallville, Dixwell, the Hill, Fairhaven, Dwight? Is that what you're dealing with? I know where you have some properties where I see your yeah. people have these nice homes. I see the same for rent and property management signs with just like a handful, maybe four, would you say, Evan, four or five property management groups in the city really are, are controlling thousands of apartments in poorer neighborhoods? Yeah, I, I see that trend. And do you think that's a major obstacle to renewing those neighborhoods? I, I don't think necessarily. I think if we can engage those landlords and help raise the quality of housing standards by working with them, I think in, in the long run we'll be better off. So I, I, I see issues. Do they have the capacity, the groups that have, I'm not going to name them, but if they have, they have a thousand apartments, they have the capacity really to keep after all well, the things that go wrong? I'll be honest with you. I do make a lot of calls to these prominent landlords and they react immediately. Because they're scared of you because you can find them. Well, I, I think there's a mutual respect. I always end a conversation saying it's a two-way street. You're welcome to call me, but I am going to call you when we have an issue. And I've honestly, the big landlords have never let me down when I call. I, I tell them, guys, an ounce of prevention goes a long way, um, but nevertheless, they react whether, you know. Has that always been true or is it just the current landlords? Since I've gotten more involved in code enforcement in the last 18 months, I would say that's the time period I'm speaking to. Historic- we had one landlord who just unloaded hundreds of apartments who you cited and did not clean it up. Right. And with that specific landlord, um, you know, it's it was unfortunate that there was kind of a back and forth and a lag time dealing with stuff. But he, that landlord, also has done tremendous stuff based upon my phone calls. So, you know, when you can talk to the property owner themselves instead of a third party who's in the middle who has to make a call, when they hear directly from the city official, they tend to understand the nature of the call and the time period to correct it. So even the quote-unquote bad landlords um, actually do the right thing. It's just they need to, like you said before, screen their tenants and manage their properties. Don't let it get to the point where the city is calling you. Well, you're hearing directly from Evan Tracton of the City's Livable City Initiative and Adam Rawlings Neighborhood Housing Services on C-Click Fix Radio on WNHH New Haven's home for community radio, broadcast at 103.5 FM and live streamed at newhavenandpen.org. Nadine Herring of C-Click Fix is here giving us the citizen-powered news. Uh, Nadine, what else are citizens in New Haven reporting? So this, <clears throat> excuse me, this next issue was actually reported by Adam. Um, it was reported on June 8th of this year, and it was a dirt path where there should be a sidewalk. So this was um, in the area of Sherman Parkway, and the issue reported was this area of Sherman Parkway is used frequently by people in wheelchairs and sidewalks exist on the adjacent blocks, but between West Division Street and Harding Place, there is only a dirt path where there should be a sidewalk. So I'm actually going to let Adam pick up on this because you guys actually in the Independent picked this up as well. And it also led to um, a, a piece on Channel 3, I believe, news. So this one issue... Um, that Adam reported got picked up on multiple media um, outlets. So it led to, one, the issue being acknowledged and reported in a place where it may not have been, um, thanks to the platform and Adam reporting it. But I'm going to let him pick up and tell the story. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, Yeah, so this is a really interesting story. Uh, I had originally posted this issue in 2012, um, 
And at that time, C Click Fix was still um, kind of new, and I was very new to the system. Um, I think uh, by accident, someone else in our staff uh, filed it again, and so there was kind of a double reporting kind of thing. And um, I think somehow they, they managed to kind of sweep it off to the side um, because I guess the double reporting... Um, it didn't show the same amount of people who were getting involved in it or made harder for officials to respond? Um, I The tone of it was kind of like, hey, you didn't report this correctly, so... We're not going to wow. respond. Evan, yeah. you're not the one who wrote that, did you? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> That's not my style. Um, I don't want to hear about the problem unless you did it the right form. Or... Right. <laughs> um, so then I, I uh, was back in uh, 2016, reported it again, and um, then it got picked up by The Independent. Um, we had some good photos uh, when we reported it again uh, because... Uh, every time that we're out there, if we're there for an hour or so, someone's going to go by on a wheelchair and we see them uh, going in the road. Um, and especially if there's a lot of rain that has happened recently, then they'll have to go out into the middle of the road because that's an area where a lot of water collects. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we asked a woman if, if she'd be willing to uh, be part of this um, this process of solving the problem. And... Uh, she was happy to, and so we took the picture. I think that really added an extra layer. Uh, you know, it, it really painted the picture of how um, much inconvenience this is causing for people. Um, and then it was picked up by the New Haven Independent, and then WFSB picked it up. Um, and that, you know, that was really. Uh, so what happened in the end? So um, there still is not exactly a resolution, um, but there, I. I think it's gotten a little bit more traction. It's sort of being bounced over to the uh, Board of Aldermen or the... The, uh, the Resource Allocation Committee. Yeah. Does that mean the group that decides what paving goes on where? Yes. And they have a committee based on all the different... So in other words, this hasn't been resolved. So there's still no. people in wheelchairs trying to get over this dirt road. Mm -hmm. uh, Nadine, were there other people posting on C-Click Fix about this? Um, from that, from the issue on the... Uh, Sherman Parkway. Yeah. Right. On the when when Adam reported it again in June, there was one um, person who reported Dorothea Polk. Not just for the lady in the picture, but many other people who use scooters and or wheelchairs have issues with the lack of sidewalks in this area. So it, it and I that area has been like that for years. Right, we hear from open. Remember the one guy who stood up at the community meeting and said, "Before I die, yeah, he's yeah. been there for decades. Before I die, the one thing I want to see is the sidewalk completed to the end of my block." Yeah. That was that. That guy's not asking for a lot before he dies. <laughs> it's not. But when you hear the the city officials talk about how much it costs to do a sidewalk, even just sections of a sidewalk, because we're trying to do sections of Whaley Avenue, and just to do small sections, it's like a hundred thousand dollars for a I mean, hundred thousand dollars to do a, like a one fifth of a block of a sidewalk. How could that be? I don't know, but um, I've heard that too. I'm not really involved in sidewalk replacement, and I'm very grateful that that's not yeah. within my authority. But obviously, you talk about the resource allocation committee is sort of like another fancy firm for like who gets stuff fixed where. And the reason, obviously, we have limited money in the city. And it was in the past, there was always complaints about the political pull. If your alderman had more, well, the woman had more pull, you got it on mm -hmm. your block. Yeah. I'm not saying that doesn't happen anymore. But they did set up this committee where they all get the alders in a room and some of the public works people, and they decide, okay, here's the places in town that most need something paved, that most need a sidewalk, that most need street repair, and then we'll put those priorities and then we'll do them in that order. So I guess that even though we're looking on the outside, like 
just put some pavement down there, yeah. guys, so these people in wheelchairs don't fall over. They're saying, you know, they're priced all over town. You got to fix stuff, and we got this process to make it fair and transparent. Do you think that's true, or do you think that sometimes that's an excuse for something that could just take one hour and just get slap a little asphalt down there? I I I know there's been there's been residents waiting for sidewalks for ten or twenty years yeah. to get done. So uh, and again, I'll speak to I've been in my neighborhood thirteen years, um, and there's a sidewalk on Percival that's been destroyed for I don't probably since I've been there. So and the, and I'm talking literally two pieces of a sidewalk that are completely destroyed hasn't been fixed. It's been reported, but. It goes into the resource allocation committee, whatever Uh-oh. that means. So <laughs> sidewalks are a very hot button issue. They are. Yes. People care a lot. And that's part of what makes a city, right? That we have sidewalks and it makes you safer to walk. Yes. So Evan, how much do you hear about that in your travels, your property acquisition in LCI? Obviously it's important to people. How does it stack up against bulk trash or slum lording? Well, or we, we definitely hear about defective sidewalks all the time and we absolutely encourage people to post it on C click fix. The other day, I uh, asked someone if they could trim the hedges that were extending into the sidewalk, and they're immediately, or they immediately replied, "How about the city fixes my sidewalk?" Mm. And so, and what's the answer there? Well, the answer is uh, the resource allocation committee is how these decisions are made. Does I, the owner then say, "My resource allocation committee is in five years, I'll have enough money to trim well, the sidewalk"? I, but the, I think we need to make a distinction here because homeowners, if they want to replace their own sidewalk, they, they can, can come out it. of pocket. It's mm-hmm. if you want the city to pay 100% of the cost. So, you know, I who, th- who owns the sidewalk? Off the top of my head, I think the homeowner does, but there's a shared liability and a shared maintenance requirement. But I, I think the issue with the sidewalk is that homeowners maybe inherited a broken sidewalk and mm-hmm. they just bought the home and they really want to get it fixed, but it's a pretty large capital investment. And I, I know that Everyone is always looking for solutions on sidewalks. And, you know, I think that think, thanks to C-Click Fix in part, we're better, better able to report these mm-hmm. and get the dangerous ones dealt with immediately. Uh, I know the city used to grind down uneven ones. They used to do some patching. So I think Public Works has taken a very proactive approach. And I think C-Click Fix has made it a lot easier both to map this stuff out and actually deploy staff to fix I wonder it. if this path in Sherman Parkway would be considered an emergency as opposed to as a, as a typical sidewalk problem. Yeah, that's that's a tough call. I mean, why don't you get uh, some other city staffers here? This yeah. this could be a whole show. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, this show is Dateline New Haven and C-Click Fix Radio on WNHH 103.5 FM. It's live streamed at newhavenandpen.org. We're talking C-Click Fix Radio News with Nadine Herring of C-Click Fix. And our guests are Adam Rawlings of New ha- Neighborhood Housing Services and Evan Tracton of the Livable City Initiative. That's LCI, means the city's neighborhoods and anti-blight agency. Nadine, what else we got going on in New Haven? According so to your this posters? next one is, is pretty interesting. It's a policing issue and it's open. This was reported uh, 725 by Taco Guest. Um, and this was <laughs> nice name, picture? right? What's the picture they use? No picture. No Chihuahua. No picture. I'm sorry. Um, 189 Greenwich Avenue and homeowner of 189 Greenwich Avenue has hung a sign on his fence, which features a large picture of an assault rifle with the words, beware of owner. This is threatening and should <laughs> wow. be removed. They police, the ante here. police, please take notice. So New Hallville Community Matters um, posted a comment that said, you have to call the police directly. 
No police monitor well, this site. That's not New Hallville. That's in Kimberly Square. Right. But but anybody can comment. Remember. Right. So, that's interesting. So New Hallville Community Matters. And this is this is interesting to note. So you have to call the police directly. No police monitor the site. So they and they put the non-emergency number. Then Hill resident came on and said, um, taking a photo of the sign and sending it to your district manager with your concern might be a better way to handle this issue. Although I don't think it's illegal and it's probably the homeowner's attempt to keep his property safe. Um, and I do believe NHPD and some of the district managers are signed up to receive notices from C-Click Fix. Then Joel came on. Well, I'm not going to. That one's I'm interested in whatever you got here. Yeah. So this and this. So Christopher comes on and says this is not a policing issue. There are specific code requirements for signs more relevant to a neighborhood specific zoning, which is typically enforced by LCI. And then he quotes um, a section 27 and then Christopher comes back again, says he's not a code enforcement official um, and he doesn't know what the zoning for that address is. So Evan can probably speak to that. Um, I just thought he, he would provide the relevant link so people would know. And then, so this went on for a little bit. Um, so I lit, and then the last comment is I live in this neighborhood and have seen the picture, but it doesn't look offensive to me. In my opinion, the owner is justified for posting the sign because several people in the area have been victims of car break-ins and thefts. These signs can act as a peaceful deterrent for potential robbers. Um, any action to signs defend... Signs don't kill people. AR-15s do. <laughs> there you right. go. Any action to defend <laughs> one's property is justified to me. So it, so going to Evan, is it a, um, a code enforcement issue with the sign? How, how does that work? Well, uh, the way I would approach this, I would knock on the gentleman's door and just explain that there may be some sensitivities to this, but off the top of my head, I don't know that it is a violation. I drove by it about right about when it was posted and I didn't even see the sign. I think you were with me. There was, I didn't see anything. What is it going to beware of owner? No, it was a, um, a posting of a sign of an AR. <laughs> but but yeah, AR I, I think that was the text. Yep. I, I think it, but, but the thing is, the way LCI approaches 95% of issues is by knocking on a door, having a conversation, and letting people know, you know, here's here's what the ordinance says. Here's what your neighbors are saying. Do you want to be a good Do neighbor? Do you go back to the person who filed the complaint and say this isn't? Because sometimes problems aren't best solved by the ordinances because they might not cover it, right? It's about how well, people get along Well, this could be a neighbor dispute. This, I mean, yeah. a lot of times mm -hmm. in... Well, so do you often broker these? Absolutely. And we've taken classes at community mediation so we can effectively listen to people, digest information, and Because that is sort solve. of the, the yeah. downside. I mean, there's so many upsides, and we love the fact that both C-Click Fix and LCI offer these venues for us to report problems in our neighbors and have neighbor disputes. I remember when I used to rent on Willard Street, there was a woman next door who didn't, was mad at my landlord about all this junk she was keeping in the back behind a, a, a shed. And C-Click Fix didn't exist then. This is the 1990s. But LCI was really revving up. She goes, I'm going to call LCI. So she called LCI. And then my landlord said, I can't believe Mary called LCI. Why didn't she come talk to me? That was a dirty low blow. Do you think sometimes without contesting the fact that we're a much better community because of what LCI does and because of what C-Click Fix does and because of ordinances, do you think sometimes there's a downside where neighbors don't work out problems together and that maybe what Evan's saying is that sometimes the role here is to bring them into discussion. Cause here I don't see any law breaking. I think this probably could have, could have been addressed with the neighbor who found it offensive, just going over and having a conversation. A lot of things can be resolved by people just and having a conversation. And how would that be resolved? The owner says, I'm putting that out there cause I'm really fed up with crime. No one's going to stop. It. And the other neighbor feels like I hate living in a neighborhood where I'm having AR, whatever it is, AK 47, like sticking out at me. 
how do you resolve that? Well, I think the the way to resolve it is through dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen front lawns with but I'm, I'm, think, I'm imagining the dialogue. I hate the sign. I like the sign. I want you to keep move the sign. I'm going to keep the sign. Where does the dialogue it, go It's next? like if your brownies. neighbor paints their house pink and you don't like pink. You know, it's right. too bad. You got to get over it. Yeah. Some people have rights, and we try to be respectful of First Amendment rights, and maybe this guy is a big fan of the Second Amendment. Yeah, I don't have no problem with pink houses. Adam, do you find that this is an issue at all in, in your area, what people are posting, what signs uh, are? Uh, no, I, I I haven't personally heard of, of something along those lines, but um, it, it makes me think of uh, a problem that my parents were dealing with, um, with their neighbor, and communication kind of broke down, and they're, you know, uh, one of them was left a nasty letter in my parents' uh, mailbox, and um, <laughs> right now they've just got a big way. fence, and you know they say good fences make for good neighbors. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering how C Click Fix or LCI can be a venue or a community um, organizer, and we're not going to call it a community organizer, to place like NHS. Yeah. How do you how do you get through that? Because that happens all the time everywhere, where neighbors have disputes and they get stuck. Do you find that, like, see, click fix if they're discussing it on the thread? Have you seen threads where people worked it out? Mm-hmm. So I think this is an example because some people came on and said, look, I don't have an issue with it. I don't think it's a bad thing. Some people, again, said, well, I don't like it. So you're not going to be able to please everybody. I think it's it's maybe... You're a, demonstrating that there's a range of views. Right. It's a, And it's a consensus thing. So if, if the majority of the neighbors don't have an issue with it, well, maybe they... You know, this person who does is gonna have to get over it. Like, or maybe you don't want you're gonna try to move out a neighbor that has a lot of crime, right? Or you, or you can have a discussion like maybe this isn't the way to stop this crime issue. Maybe we need to get together and talk about a block watch, or maybe we need to get together and go to a community management team and talk to the police district manager. So it can start the root of the problem, right? It can start a conversation. Also, if the police district manager for that area was on C Click Fix, he could step in and say something. C Click Fix, not all they used to all be. Well. I used to be told to be. I remember hearing about it at, at, at Comstead at the police department. I remember Ray Hassett was here this morning mm-hmm. when he used to write. He used to live on C-Click Fix. Mm-hmm. I remember someone say, here's a picture of the hooker on the corner. He'd be out, like, checking up on that on that corner, like, in an hour. Right. So that's something that we're trying to address at C-Click Fix by getting a meeting with the chief when he comes back. Well, there's an acting chief. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're not even going to get into that. But there are some district managers who who are very active on C-Click Fix and some who are not. So we're doing initiative. One of the things that I want to do in, in engagement is reach out to the district managers to find out who is using it and how they're using it. And then those who aren't, why aren't you? And maybe um, help bring them along into using it. As a matter of fact, one of um, our, one of our, my coworkers is setting up a meeting with the police district manager where he lives in his neighborhood on Friday. He's coming to the office to talk about using C-Click Fix oh, and, cool. How we can, you know, how we can help him address issues in the neighborhood as well as, you know, just have a conversation about community policing, et cetera. So we are taking proactive steps to bring the police department on and get show them the value of C-Click Fix and how it can help them better practice community policing in the neighborhoods. And Adam, you were about to chime in about how to solve problems, like being a forum for working out neighbor disputes. Um, oh, uh, well, um, yeah, I, I think that there there is definitely a potential for the uh, the platform to enable a kind of higher level discourse um, where people are all able to chime in and have their voice heard uh, without it turning into a total shouting match in the way that, I mean, it, it's weird. Although sometimes a, a when the web gets meaner, totally sometimes different. those like yeah. some Facebook threads, I mean, the convention this week, yeah. I was noticing that. And sometimes 
Evan's right that sometimes just face to face or sometimes face to face works it out too. But yeah. the, but the thing about this too is that this this can lead to face to face conversations because you can start something online and again you can with this particular issue you can talk about you know going to management team meetings or talking to your police district manager or setting up you know a block watch so it can start online but it can lead to offline conversations which is what should be happening anyway so this is just one tool to lead to you know hopefully civil mediation between neighbors because these are hot button issues and you're not going to please everybody so that needs to be understood as well evan can you think of a case where there was civil mediation with neighbors in new haven and a problem got solved one case comes to mind where i i don't want to put out any last names or anything but there was an issue over by lighthouse park where there was a vacant house and the neighbor who had lived next to it for a long period of time was not willing to let the neighbor step foot on their property to replace the siding and eliminate the blight. And we tried to broker some sort of... In other written. words, it was close enough property that he couldn't do the work without stepping on the right. adjacent and property. Yes, and he said, we will have you arrested for trespassing. So Whoa. ultimately, there were several um, meetings of all parties in our office, and I think it ended with a rope being thrown over a house and the guy coming down the side of the house to do the siding because the guy wasn't budging. And so and what was his reason for not wanting to have the blighted house fixed up next to him? I think it was more of a principled, spiteful kind of position, to be honest. Was there history there? There was. There was a long... owner done to his house? Or it wasn't that. It's just the fact that he was next to an abandoned, neglected property and the fact that all of a sudden somebody wanted to repair it he was not going to make it easy for that mm. to happen. So it's tough there. I'm just imagining Evan in this meeting and the thought bubbles. Are you thinking, well, what you weren't happy about at Root is that guy was such an irresponsible landlord and you have to live next to this junk. So now you're not going to let him fix the junk. You'd rather continue to live it that way. But how do you? what do you say out loud when the thought bubble's going that way? Well, I try to just explain that. Let's Let's take a step back. Let's try to put our feelings aside and let's really focus not only on yourself, but the entire community. Mm -hmm. There's a benefit here. And though, you know, I think actually the the individuals wanted like a $20,000 access agreement to allow this. Something. <laughs> wow. Right. Um, but I, at the same time. He wanted you know, some blood money for that. Wow. But, you know, it, it, it really illustrates how important it is to communicate with your neighbors. And, you know, this had we had C-Click Fix when all this was going on. We maybe could have shortened whatever drama there was. Or it, earlier on when the property was going down mm -hmm. for finding the owner of the bad property and maybe taking the property away if it's not Right. Fixed. And and our anti-blight program in New Haven has been strengthened over the years. And oh, it's amazing. You can slap those $99 a day fines and them to fix it. Right. And I think, you know, anti-blight has helped the city reclaim the neighborhoods and really allow us to focus on owner occupancy and neighborhood stability. And I know we're going to talk about this in our next uh, topic, but um, if we had the strength of the anti-blight program we have today back then, I don't think it ever would have got to this level. All right. Well, we're, we're at the level of Seacliff Fix Radio, WNHA Radio, WNHH, and it's home for community radio at 103.5 FM and live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. Nadine Herring of C-Click Fix. We have time for another news item. What do you got? So this one is a private property issue, which Evan was referring to. This is on 44 Diamond Street, um, and this was reported back in June, early June. Beaver Hills neighborhood. Uh, Not so, far from you. Correct. So this house looks worse than ever. The neighborhood has been dealing with this issue for more than two, three years. 
It is difficult to believe that this house is not condemned after all the time it was left open to the elements after the Easter Day fire three years ago. All of us neighbors would like to see this house taken down. What a great place for a community garden this would be. So, um, and this follows a long discussion, a long comment thread back and forth between neighbors about, um, you know, addressing the issue, tear it down. LCI has been contacted. Um, and then I'll let Evan pick up in the story. So I just want to give a little bit of background on this because unfortunately there was a fire and fires happen. And anyone who's lived next to a house where a fire is knows it can take a long period of time. Nadine's mm-hmm. nodding. Do you live next to a house that had yes, a fire? Yes, at the end of my street. It took two years. Right. Mm-hmm. And because of insurance claims and stuff of that nature, we can ask people to make repairs, but to totally renovate a house sometimes is not doable. In the case of this property, LCI, it was owned by um, it was owned by a woman who was deceased. Her kids kind of took over. The property went into foreclosure and... LCI really did a lot of stuff right on this one. And we right now have probably over a $20,000 blight lien on the property that once the bank finishes their foreclosure, if they want to make any move, someone's going to have to pay the city a lien. But sometimes the banks sit on the property for years rather than pay that. And Paul, that's when we're going to bring our own foreclosure action. uh, Once, you know, we LCI is geared up to send letters, and bring everything to foreclosure at this point. Is this new that you're going to emphasize more now to bring in the foreclosure rather than waiting for a lender to bring a foreclosure? Well, in in this case, they're in foreclosure. So we want title to vest to the bank, and we want the bank to solve this problem. So let me just back up a little bit because this one is a very interesting story. So we had a former staff person who was excellent by the name of Nick Licata. He left LCI, and he's now working in the fire department as a firefighter. And bravo, Nick. Job well done. But uh, Nick sent um, the homeowner and the bank, which is Federal National Mortgage, uh, certified letters pursuant to our process, right? He got the ball running. Then it came back on the radar, so I sent the second letter, which is the civil citation, which carries the fine for noncompliance. Simultaneously, I worked with the bank's servicer to get the yard cut, cleaned, and maintained. Beyond that... Which bank was it? Um... I think it's reverse mortgage solutions. Oh, boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Enough said there. Have you met a person yet? I've Well, so this is where the story is positive, but it's it's long and sorted. So basically, they assign a contractor to work on this property, and they want to do a roof in the winter. And I say, pull the permit and get going. But for whatever reason, they drag their feet. And I know Alder Furlow was upset, and mm-hmm. all these neighbors who are chiming in are also upset. But finally, they mobilize, scaffolding goes up, and they're going to make a roof repair. Now, mind you, the bank just slapped a 4 by 8 sheet of plywood on the roof as a Band-Aid for years, which I think is terrible and just looks atrocious. Um, So now we have a vendor who is going to do it. They're sending me emails. And unfortunately, the vendor, his name was Ken Siske from Blue Wolf Contracting Group. He died suddenly of a heart attack about two weeks ago before 4th of July. And so I got a lot of phone calls from the alder and the neighbors about we can't leave the property like this. So I contacted the servicer and imagine this. And this is the bank understanding how important this is. They sent staff to go to this guy's funeral. And when the funeral was over, because they drove pickup trucks, they came to the property to clean it up a little bit. And so if you look at photos from the end of June, right before 4th of July, and then you see the photos right after the 4th, 
it is better. Although the scaffolding is still there, the roofing debris that's on the ground, most of it was removed from the front because the concern that came to me is, well, listen, there's a lot of kids in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. They may end up on the front lawn. If a kid falls down, we don't want them getting hurt. So I did reach out to the building official, Jim Tercio. He tells me it's not on the demolition list. It's, you know, it's to get knocked down, you have to be structurally deficient. And I don't have a credential, but the house is there. It's not leaning. And so as much as I would want to see a house like this demolished, uh, we're going to have to go through the entire process. And I'm, the bank is telling me they're going to put a roof on this house. So hopefully we can, you know, update mm -hmm. c Fix when we get someone working there. I'm no longer going based on their emails that someone's going to be there. I want to physically see a person there. Right. What about a sale? So I think this is a negative equity reverse mortgage. So a title is going to vest straight back to reverse mortgage solutions. Now, I would love to see NHS mm -hmm. reach out to them, scoop it up. I mean, there's... there's Are they willing to sell and lose money on it? Well, I I can't speak for the bank. That's the issue, right? If the bank is... If the, if the house is less valuable because the bank neglected it or the lender in this case, and it, they're not going to make money back on a sale and they're going to have to pay $20,000 in liens to LCI before it's over... They just kind of drag their feet for a long time and the neighborhood suffers, right? Well, if they get our uh, notice of civil action for a foreclosure, that may help them make a decision. You've done that in this case? Well, that, that's going to be the next chess move on, on this one. And when you, when you decide whether to make that chess move? I, I think that decision has already been made. We're compiling, you know, lists of properties for this next wave of anti-blight foreclosures. So, okay, and when is that coming up? It, it should happen, I would say, in the month of August, which I believe is right around the time the bank's foreclosure process is going to wrap up. So, oh, perfect. And so you're hoping that that'll get them to finish their foreclosure so you don't have to make the anti-blight foreclosure. Correct. And so you could foreclose on a house that's in foreclosure? Absolutely. We could start our own action. Okay. And how many of those do you think you'll do? I'm going to say probably five to start with. And have you ever done that before? Yeah, the city's been very successful. I think you guys at The Independent wrote a couple articles when some of our foreclosed properties We've were... We've done it one-off, so I just meant yeah. you do these in waves. Yeah, we do it in batches of five or six at a time. When's the last time you did one? I want to say 2013 or 14 was our last So batch. for the first time in at least two or three years, you're about to go ahead with a batch of new foreclosures with these problem properties that you're hoping will... Right. We, we've had a couple in the foreclosure pipeline between 2013 and today, but a real push to get rid of these long-term vacancies is coming. All right. Sounds like nice. good news. Anything to add to that, Adam or Dean? No, just, no. Good, just good, good job by, by Evan and LCI. And residents understanding that something like this takes a long time, but that the city is working to resolve it. And if on the city side, and Evan will do this, just keeping the residents updated so they know what's going on so that will relieve some of the frustration. Well, I say good job, Nadine Herring from C-Click Fix Radio. As always, thank, thank you for co-hosting the show. And thank you to Adam Rawlings, Neighborhood Housing Service. I think one of the great agencies, not just in New Haven, but anywhere in stabilizing neighborhoods and getting homeowners into beautiful old homes. Thank you. Thank and, you. I, and keep up that community organizing between you and me. <laughs> Evan Tracton from Liverpool we'll City Initiative, a go-to guy who solves problems every day in the city of New Haven. Thanks for joining us. Thank and you. And thanks, listeners, for joining us thank on C-Click Fix Radio. Thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing financial support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Be to Be Free from their Plea for Peace album. This is Paul Bass wishing you all the ability to see what it's like to be free today. Join, do that with us here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio, for more local talk and music.